Hi, I'm Rami. And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, a podcast where we talk about interesting things we've read to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Uh, Rami, this week I think we're talking about a book about how work doesn't have to be crazy, and I already want to vomit in my mouth a little bit because I'm like, this sounds really idealistic to think that it doesn't have to be crazy at work. Does it have to be crazy? I don't know. I'm just, I'm intrigued to dig in to hear their premise or their theory for why or how they don't make it crazy at work. I think I have that luxury as an entrepreneur, but maybe I tell myself a story that people who work in traditional jobs don't have that luxury as much. So I'm curious how they do it in like a more uh, not solopreneur situation. Solopreneur. All right. I'm going to remember that because I want to remember that okay so the book is it doesn't have to be crazy at work it's by jason fried and david heinemeyer hansen um they're the guys who started Basecamp. so Basecamp is kind of one of those like uh, all-in-one tracking planning softwares it's kind of like trello or asana okay question off the top how did you even hear about this book a lot of people have been both bashing this book and also loving this book but for me it was the title of the book yeah yeah okay okay i'm into it so it's really just straightforward advice on how to run your company and how to and your culture to maximize happiness at the office uh written by these two people who have made their company into this they're successful at, at 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 cultural maximizing happiness So the premise is simple. We chase growth at all costs, and the human cost of that is very real. I don't know that I fully am latching on to that. Those feel contradictory to me. We chase chase growth at all costs, and the human cost of that is real. So they are acknowledging that it costs humanity to chase growth at all costs. Exactly. So then how the heck do they do both? So they don't really do both, in that they... Their growth, this is where I say, like, I like this book. I also don't like this book. Applying what they say is difficult because their situation as leaders of Basecamp is that they have a subscription model. There's no externally imposed deadlines, and they can really focus on the human aspect of their business while trying to make it better. And so it's not like they have a huge, I don't know, output of retailers that are saying, hey, where are the products? Where are the products? You guys can't just like focus on the human side of things and not Mm -hmm. output things, right? Like if they don't put out enough updates and changes to their software, they may lose their user base. Mm -hmm. But they already have a built-in user base that seems happy enough with what they're providing. Yeah, it's an interesting premise in that sense. I guess too, where I think like, Oh, but they still have like customer service activities that they need to do, you know, to like keep people happy, so to speak. Yes. But I get your point of like, it's a subscription model. And I still, uh, knowing what's ahead of us a little bit, I still think there's some good wisdom in here for us to take away that can be applied, even if you don't have a subscription model on like how, how you form healthy culture. Yes. And I think that's the, the premise of today's chat will be really around like what are the golden nuggets we can kind of take out of this because it's very aspirational Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of it is 
is just that. It's just aspirational. It's not something that you could actually say, hey, you guys, we're going to start doing this thing now because some of these things <clears throat> just don't make any sense in a normal work culture. Yeah. But you were able to pull up and find the nuggets that you think do make sense in normal work culture. Yeah. So let's start with just the, the, the overall premise of this book. So what they say is you shouldn't be given a medal for working or staying long hours. It's a mark of ignorance, not determination. Heck yes. Man, do I wish somebody would have told me that when I was 22. Because <laughs> I don't think there are a lot of cultures like that. I think there are a lot of cultures. Well, and frankly, I think our society as a whole, like, sometimes overvalues what I would call, like, martyrdom, you know? Or, like, your ability Absolutely. like, look at your ability to sacrifice for the good of the cause. That just gets kind of excessive. Well, and I think the two things the way that they explain it is fewer hours like in the office Mm -hmm. equals less just like crap and the less crap that you deal with equals more happiness so that's kind of their idea is like if you're in the office less less things are going to happen which means that if you have less things bothering you and less things to deal with then that should equal more happiness so less things will happen in the sense of like less drama drama work everything right i think Mm -hmm. Think about when you're working, I don't know, 80 hours or whatever it is, um, you're finding more things to do, right? It's not that you have all those things that you have to do. You're finding more things. So that's where I say, like, their point here is if you work less, there's less things that you're going to focus on doing because you just don't have the time for it, right? Like, we all have the 20% that we'd like to get to at some point. Yep. And most of us don't get to that 20%, which is totally fine. If you are there long enough, you'll get to that 20%. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just that the the back end of that phrase of like it being a mark of ignorance, you know, Mm -hmm. to think that's something worth rewarding. I love that. I live for that. Good stuff. Um, Okay, so then the next one, which are really like the core tenants here are the answer isn't working longer hours. It's working better. Mm-hmm. What's that uh, quip all the time? Work smarter, not harder? Yes. So it's really that that idea. And one of the points they make is technology should have made things easier, but actually it just makes things crazier. Because now instead of like quietness, you now have base camp. You have Dropbox, you have your emails, you have all of these things, you have Slack, you've got all these things pinging you all the time, mm-hmm. which are just distracting you from doing your work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about like how one of my hacks, I feel like we shared this on some episode, but like one of my hacks is like, put yourself in airplane mode, like close your email, <laughs> close, uh, literally set your phone in airplane mode, turn off your instant messenger, like whatever it is. Like the fact that we need to do that, you know, because like there otherwise there'd just be so much input coming in at you while you're trying to do the actual work that you need to get done. That's not just communicating all day, every day, all the time. It's why you see like with and we talked about this before, right, with the types of birds that the larks like to get in early because it's quiet and they can do things. Mm -hmm. And then the night owls like to stay late because... It's quiet, it's quiet and they, they can, can do, do things. things. 
it's that like middle time of the day when it's just it there's just too much noise right and i think that that we expect technology to make things easier and maybe it does to some extent but then the flip side is that there's so many inputs yeah okay can i take like a sidebar here that's related Yes. Just for fun. So I, w- I um, was watching some video on Instagram the other day. Do you know who the maker of the 40-hour work week was? I'm sure you know. I don't. Really? I was like, yeah. Robbie will know this. Henry Ford made up the 40-hour work week. And the basis of it was something like, does 40 even divide by three? I don't think it does. No, it doesn't. No. no. It doesn't. Yeah. But there was some sort of thing of like, well, you need so many hours to sleep, so many hours to shop and so many hours to work in a day. And more recent studies actually show that people are actually only productive for 12 and a half hours of a 40 hour work week. And so like, if we could actually only do like, what is the math on that? Like two and a half hours of work every day, like that could actually be enough because of all the technological advancements in our society since, you know, Henry Ford was making a bunch of automobiles way back in the day. So I don't know. I just, I think that's like kind of fascinating to think about of like, wow, is it possible? And I think this book is saying it too, essentially, like that you're actually really only working two and a half hours in a day and all the other stuff is just bull crap, as they put it. Yeah. I think to build on that, they, they really dislike meetings they 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 look at meetings as like a failure of communication like if you have to have a meeting something went wrong oh fascinating so that adds to the two and a half hours but i think most of us would look at our day and say i'm in meetings for more than two and a half hours a day like how would i how would i accomplish anything in that 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 short piece of time but if you get rid of the meetings yeah right like we can be efficient and finish all of our work i think there's it's all the the things that they fight for here which are like getting rid of meetings, doing all this stuff that would really allow us to be more efficient in work. Yeah. I'm remembering at Target where they had that acronym of inform, discuss, decide. Do you remember that? It's a id. I mean, I I, I just, people wouldn't say id, but they would say, is this an inform, a discuss or decide? If it's an inform, it's in an email. If it's a discuss, it's a meeting. If it's a decide, it could be a meeting or an email. And so how do you be really thoughtful before you're like setting up time with people of like, okay, which category does this fall in? Do I actually need a meeting for this? No, I don't. Then don't schedule a meeting. Well, so let's, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit more. And I think this is one of the things that people are always nervous about is like, I think about myself. I think about the meetings that I've had to run that are like the full company meetings. And some of them are like, hmm discuss meetings and it's like okay we should have this but if most of them are really like inform meetings it's like how do you work with everyone else who's bringing inputs to that get all of that ahead of time and then send it out as an email and then say like hey we're gonna send this out as an email if there's anything people want to follow up on like let us know and then we can quickly like touch base yep but that's actually a really good point shannon that inform discuss Decide. decide inform discuss decide so yeah i think think about that when you're thinking about like the meetings because it's all about how do we get out of meetings i think is mm-hmm. our perpetual goal in life is to be in as few meetings as possible where yeah. uh we can not have to get upset and yell at people yeah i think my poor husband he's literally in meetings from 
like pretty much 8.30 to 4, 4.30 every single day. Uh-huh. That's how my wife is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could handle that. That'd be brutal. Just meetings. Meetings on meetings. Big company things. Brutal. Okay. So that's kind of the premise of the book is you don't, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. The major tenet of that is you shouldn't have to work as much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's hop into some questions that I have, and then we can get into tactical after that. Cool. Shannon, as a solopreneur, <laughs> is that the right phrase? Yeah, a solopreneur is like when like you are it. Like you don't have a team, you don't like whatever, like it's just you. So as a solopreneur, how do you maximize your happiness, Shannon? Yeah, I'm starting to get really better at this in the in year four of business. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is where you wanted to go with this conversation, but this is where I'm going to go. It's like more like tactically. So feeling really empowered of how I block my time. So I used to feel like I had to be available, like to book in for sessions every day of the week. I'm not anymore. Like (laughs) I maximize my happiness by saying my days to coach are Tuesday through Thursday. And then I can have Monday to prep or like do admin work or write content or whatever I need to do. And I can have Fridays to invoice or do whatever I need to do and also just like chill out and that's Mm -hmm. been really supportive for me of maximizing my happiness to better like time block my week in that sense and getting really clear on like what I think I have to do versus what I just don't like I used to think I had to do three Instagram posts a week and be on stories every day from like a quote marketing perspective and that's just a lot of crap I've actually experienced that less really is more like um, I remember one month I took a break from Instagram and I booked the most new clients that month. <laughs> like, Isn't that wild. That's crazy. Cause like they, they weren't seeing me and they wanted me. It's so, like, great. Awesome. Like let's, let's yeah. Get into a relationship then. So I think I maximize my happiness by daring to take ownership of like, this really is my time. I really do get to decide. Oh, and also setting limits. That's the thing that I'm doing this year too, of like, for me, money is not the most important thing in my life. Like my being able to have my own time and attention. Um, Like, yeah, I need to pay my bills and do stuff like that. But just like time freedom is so much more important to me than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I really value getting to have the freedom of my own time to read a book and nerd out a little bit on something that a topic that I want to go deeper on or whatever it might be versus feeling like I got to work all the time. Well, and I like this. And I think the, the idea in asking this question is really what are the things that we can take away for all of us who are not solopreneurs? And I think it's, it's how do you block your time to allow you to do the things that you need to do? Right? Like I think about my wife or Nate, like, I don't know when either of them get work done during the day because they're in meetings all day. Right. So um, maybe it's like you block part of the time proactively and it's just like, nope, don't overbook this. Like I need, I need an hour in the middle of my day to make sure I eat something and make sure that I'm like catching up and also breathing. Yeah. I remember I used to do that at Target now that you say that. And I've tried to tell Nate, like, you can do that. He's like, no, I can't. The workplace culture where he works is like such that people literally book in over 
blocked uh-huh. off times. And no, I'm no, just no, like, that's, that's how it is for my wife too. Oh, I'm just horrified by that. But at Target, I remember catching on to the joke of my own game. And I did the math and I was like, okay, realistically, I need one hour of desk time a day. And like, literally, I could be in meetings the rest of the day, but as long as I got one hour, it was like typically enough. So I would proactively block six hours of desk time on my calendar, like six weeks out in advance. <laughs> I love it. And at Target, it was honored. But I guess it's some other workplace cultures. Even if you block the time, it's not. We hope, yeah, we I hope think, that you're in the former and not the latter. <laughs> I think the other pieces of it, too, from what I'm gleaning from you, is like, how do you then make sure you're only turning on at certain points? Because if you're going to be locked in from 8.30 to 4.30 or whatever that time slot is, well, then maybe you don't start early or you run late or you you just figure out how to balance it. Because again, to the beginning, like no one's going to give you a medal for working 100 hours in a week. Like that's just not going to happen. And and you shouldn't put that as your perspective. Um, But being able to say, okay, I know that I need that hour. I can't get it throughout the day. So it's either going to come at the beginning or the end, but then I have to cut myself off because I'm going to keep finding things to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think is important. And that's kind of what I'm taking from what you're saying. Yep. There's a quote that I liked in the book. And the quote was, it's easier for work to claim a Sunday than for life to borrow a Thursday. There's no balance. Whoa. That hits me like right at the core. That is so true. That is so true. I can remember when I quit Target, one of my fantasies fantasies oh my god what a strong word (laughs) was like getting to go to a doctor's appointment at 2 p.m on a thursday just because or taking my car in for maintenance at 10 30 on a wednesday just because that was my fantasy and this quote like sums up perfectly why it was my fantasy because it was easier for work to claim a sunday than for my life to borrow a thursday oh i like that rami so i think my question to you is like, how do, how do we try to reverse that trend? Like, how do we make that a plausibility? And I think if you, I'm, I'm really lucky. I have a very, uh, rationally minded company that I work for and very open in the way that they think about the human element of, of us as employees. Mm -hmm. And so my, my boss, the CEO will, she'll, she'll just say like, Hey, it's really nice out. I'm going to go for a run on the beach because it's like really nice. And that's like in the middle of the day and you go, Oh, you, you can do that in the middle of the day. Maybe I can do something like that in the middle of the day. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's all going to trickle down and it's really like, how do people above you and how do you as a leader of people like, do those things to make sure that others see it as being a reasonable thing. Right. I think of someone like, uh, like your husband, Nate, like he's got a big team. And so if he's like, Hey, I have to go take the kid for a thing during the middle of the day, everybody would be like, Oh, I mean, if Nate does it, then maybe we can do that with our own kids. Yeah. And so I think it's like, how do you set those things as standards, as expectations and let them trickle down? Like let that Thursday be overtaken by life rather than the Sunday being overtaken by work. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, going back to your question of like, how do companies rationalize it? I think the only way that I see people trying to rationalize people getting to work less is 
the cost of burnout and the cost of turnover, you mm-hmm. know, which is kind of sad because it's like we're still needing to justify it from like a business dollars and cents perspective versus human life perspective. But I know that the statistics are there to show like turnover. I think I remember at Target them quoting like every time you had to turn over an analyst desk, it cost the company at least fifty thousand um, dollars, which was pretty damn close to make like a little bit lower than what an analyst probably made at that point. So yeah. if you think about that, it's like, holy crap, like you really do want to keep people healthy and well so that you're not incurring that cost of turnover. Yes. Let me ask you this question. Something that's becoming more acceptable is the idea of like a mental health day. Yes. Right. Like I'm getting burnt out. I need a mental health day. I think that comes from a culture though, that, that says it supports balance. But if it truly supported balance, you wouldn't need a mental health day, right? I agree. I think when I when you started that, I was like, oh, I think I know where he's going with this. And I like it. Uh, yeah, that if you think about the fact that we even need those, it's indicative that maybe the culture or whatnot is working at a pace that's not sustainable. I guess the only like devil's advocate thing that I can find in that is there are the, the nature of some businesses are more seasonal. So it could be like you go through a really crazy period and then there's nothing for a long time. And so maybe during the crazy period, it's like gets to be too much. and You need to take a mental health day, but it's not like that yep. all the time. Yeah. I think agreed, right? If you're an accountant and it's March, mm-hmm. April, whatever it is, your peak time, you're, you're just going to work a million hours and then hopefully things slow down. Yeah. I think in a not seasonally driven business, the fact that you would need a mental health day tells me that there is an imbalance between work and life that is causing you like burnout and like you need to just not work for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is fine, right? Like everybody needs to find balance. I guess my point in asking this question and bringing this up is if you're finding employees need mental health days frequently, we you have to kind of re- evaluate why that is what is the what's missing in the day-to-day that they're not getting that they they get to that point and then know that they need to pull out pull the ripcord go take a mental health day and then and then come back yeah yeah and the word of encouragement that i want to offer to folks here is like oftentimes what i see my clients is just this like extreme belief that they cannot possibly for example They cannot possibly take a coaching session with their coach that their company is paying for during working hours. (laughs) What? Yeah. And that's like, that's like a load of crap or like they can't see their therapist in the middle of the day or they can't um, uh, go to the gym in the middle of the day. Like people really do feel paralyzed by this. I I hope that 2019 was a lesson for all of us, like including like like, 2020. I'm but 2019 in the sense of COVID. Like when we lived through the majority of COVID, I'm hoping by the end of 2020, we aren't going to still be in quarantining mode. Wait, Shannon, it's 2021. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're right on, except that you're off by a year. So yes, 2020, keep going. 2020 was a good. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, okay. So COVID-19. The year 2020, when we all of us <laughs> were uh, really having to adapt our lifestyles, that I hope that there is more f- 
people are seeing the possibilities and flexibility of letting your life borrow some time on a Thursday instead of work claiming more time on a Sunday. I mean, that's the hope, right? Is that we all take those things and can learn from it. But I think the big thing is, and again, I I think about our partners, right? Like they just ended up working a lot throughout the day Mm -hmm. and maybe into the evenings and and mornings. And it didn't really allow for much balance. It just allowed them to be online more because they weren't driving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nate's pretty good like well i don't know i i go to bed at 10 o'clock and he's a night owl <laughs> so maybe he's working after that i don't think so he's pretty good about cutting it off but i know i wasn't so i digress okay so let's hop into tactical i think a lot of what we've been saying is tactical but i want to get into a few like really tactical things so the first one is don't get your hopes up And what that means is you can raise the bar and you can do whatever you want, right? Like you can always achieve anything that you want to if you put enough energy against it. But the idea here is you should try and perceive the world through a lens of rationality and take actions to improve your current situation. So what they're trying to say is don't assume, and and Shannon and I say this all the time, like, don't assume that the company is there to take care of you mm. and is going to reward you for whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. Like, if you want those things, you need to put on a lens of rationality and you have to take actions to improve your situation if there's something that you don't like about it. Like, no one is going to be like, oh, I haven't really paid attention to Shannon lately, but I'm going to. And now I'm going to go fix everything for her because I know her desk is a little wobbly and I know that. The one monitor flickers every once in a while and that her pen has run out of ink. So I'm going to fix all those things. Like no one is going to do those and no one's going to go out of their way to help you with those things. You have to do them for yourself. And that's where, going back to what I said earlier, I hope what what I've seen in clients over and over again is when they do demonstrate the courage and say like, hey, so just want to let you know I'm changing my schedule. I'm going to go for a run Thursdays from 12 to 1. Nobody cares. No, no one cares. Nobody cares and no babies die. So the thing that you think is probably impossible for you to do, like go for a run, take a therapy session, take a coaching session in the middle of the day. I'm guessing no one's going to care. So just do it or ask or say you're going to do it and then let them figure it out on the back end. I love it. What's your next tip? Um, Break the chains of illusion. So success is happiness not the end result of a workaholic attitude. So working hour, 80 hours a week isn't a success. It's the opposite. Success is happiness, not the end result of workaholic. Working is re- yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so this goes back to the first point of like, it is ignorant to think that yes. working long hours is good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that happiness is just the light at the end of the tunnel there. It's yep. not. Nope. Uh, and then the last one is don't take life for granted. So one of the things that people say all the time is, I'm going to start living once I have all the money, right? Like, I just need to make X amount of money. So I'm going to work, I'm going to work my 80 hours a week, and then I'm finally going to have the money, and then I'm going to start living my life, right? Yeah. If we quote Ferris Bueller, Shannon, you've seen Ferris Bueller? Like, loosely. I probably won't remember the quote once you say it. He says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Yeah. And I hope that our generation is getting this joke. I, I feel like we are. I feel like our generation and and later 
is getting this and valuing more things above money. Like what I said at the, the, the a different part of the episode, it was just like, my time is freaking sacred. Way more sacred than money. So I have yes. hope in that, that our culture is changing and shifting. I hope so too. I think it's all about refocusing our goals and also and also like our companies like putting a little bit of effort into supporting us as human beings yeah or at least not preventing us from supporting ourselves as human beings right exactly if we go back okay so three tactical tips don't get your hopes up basically like take responsibility for changing your own situation break the chain of illusion chains of illusion like it's an illusion to think that working more hours is good for anybody or anything and don't take life for granted i like it with that, we'd love for you to connect with us at Workplace Hugs on Instagram and maybe share some tips on how you make it not crazy for yourself at work. I've been Shannon. I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs. Bye.